We are, we've been talking about the year of the family. Uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Um, that, that scripture opens up, you did not receive the spirit of bondage, begin to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. It speaks about the way that we relate to God. When you come to Jesus, you don't come enslaved, you come as family. Do you understand that? This is a new birth experience. It's a new birth experience. If we do not embrace the reality that we are family, we will miss the work of the cross. Did you hear me? We will miss the work of the cross. If we are just attendees and congregants, church members, then we end up being in bondage to fear. That's why you, you hear so many people say, you know, I don't believe in religion, I believe in a relationship. And, you know, I, I kind of wrestle with that because religion is religion. I mean, it's, there's some things that are bad, but, I mean, it's basically your way of life, right? I, I think it's good to have uh, direction in your life. I religiously go and visit my family every year. That's not a bad thing. But some religion is just wearisome. It's not, that's not really the topic. I'm just saying we're really talking about the idea that in our relation, in, 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 in knowing God, that somehow we have to get past just marching. I mean, sometimes, let me explain. Sometimes I look at the building and I say, I just hate that there's a rows of chairs here and rows of chairs here and here. I just sometimes wish it was just sofas, you know? <laughs> So we could just get away from marching in and sitting in line and standing up. And we're so, How many believe we're supposed to be family? Anybody believe that? And, and so when I tell you to get out of your seats and stuff like that, I'm, just, I'm fighting against just that, that, that taste of, okay. Um, so that's why he says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. That's the whole message. We're all God's children. And we also looked at Genesis 35 and 2. I don't think I even have it. Yeah, I do? Cool. All right. I did have that up there. I'm better than I thought. Wow. <laughs> Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Now, just stop and look at that. Does anybody know why Jacob said that, that to them? I'll tell you why. Because over the years it had accumulated. All right? Because through the years, as a father, he had done nothing about it. And just allowed it to accumulate. And now he has this desire to go back to Bethel, the place where he had experienced the presence of God. And experiencing the presence of God, here's, here's what he says. I, you know, and you've heard me teach this. How many know God is a consuming fire? You know, my Father in heaven is a consuming fire. My good, good Father is holy, and his desire is for me to be holy. He's like, okay, I've got to get holy. He's like, no, come into my presence. You want to be in my presence, I'll do that in you. You got that? So Jacob wants to change things. I think sometimes we like to talk about Jacob because he's, he just messed up so bad. And we always feel, isn't it better? Don't you like talking about people who messed up because it makes you feel so much better about yourself? 
I mean, thank God, you know, for the news and, you know, I just, you know, gossip magazines and shows because I just love it when, you know, people can get together and just talk about how bad other people are because then I know I'm better. I mean, I may be bad, but I'm not Jacob, you know, got that? Yeah, I'm not like her. I like her. Yeah. How many, how many understand what I'm saying there? So in talking about Jacob and in talking about his family, I relate because I have messed up. Anybody want to join me in this? I have allowed things to accumulate, and I want to bring my home, my mama, my daddy, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my nephews, my nieces, my sons, my daughters, myself, my wife, my husband, right? You see what I'm saying? I want all of them to enjoy the good presence of God. How many know it's tough to enjoy the presence of God when I got junk in my life? And so it's not like Jacob said, okay, we're going to frisk everybody for idols. He says, guys, we're going to the presence of God. We're children of God. We're covenant people. So I don't want to preach sermons that do not challenge us. I don't want to preach messages that do not call us to go higher. I don't, I don't want to preach sermons that embrace our complacency to stay the way that we always have been. I don't, want to, I don't want to preach sermons that just butter everybody up and just, oh, I feel much better. I, but then again, I don't want to preach sermons just make you feel like you're lower than dirt. I want, us to, I want us to rise up to this level that God wants us to be. And in our culture, we are so taught to just say it is what it is. Right? It is what it is. I'm a mess. So, you're a mess. Anybody get tired of the mess? Uh, and one of my great revelations in life is that Satan is a liar. Anybody believe Satan is a liar? And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, we deceive ourselves and live in idolatry, preferring a cool and comfortable message of complacency and telling us we're all all right and that God doesn't really care about our choices and our thoughts or our sins, but Satan is a liar! He wants your family, he wants your life to be whole, he wants your house to be whole, he wants you to have a future. That's the Jeremiah promise. I have a future and a hope for you. And as we've been pursuing through January, he wants us to embrace the truth about his family. Family we are called to be in freedom. And so our objectives are still clear, reaching every family, empowering every family, embracing freedom fellowship as a family. These things are a priority to us. I want to begin, I did last Sunday, but I want to begin and continue talking about love. And uh, I, well, the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the art of love. All right? Because I know about love. All right. I know. I used to. Uh, I, my my pastor mentor from Diane's right. It wasn't long after we got married. A year or so after we got married, we were in Fairborn, Ohio, near Dayton, Ohio. Ansel Carter was the pastor. He's now ninety-two years old, and still pastor emeritus at that church. Still preaches once a month there at ninety-two. Ninety-two ain't so bad, is it? Amen. All right. Amen. Mother of our church is 19. So anyway, I'll just leave that alone. 
Um, but uh, we'd go and talk to him about marriage and family, and he would say, you guys think because of... And then, you know, he wasn't that... He's probably my, my age then, but he said something like, I'm not, you know, I'm a professional when it comes to love. I used to love it when he'd say that. Because preachers weren't supposed to talk about that, you know? Uh, he, uh, right after Diane and I came there, he handed us some books that we had never read before, all right, about godly love and marriage, and it was a very, very involved. I don't think, I didn't even think it was like, you know, godly to read a book like that, but it was a really good book. And it answered some questions. Go ahead and preach, Pastor Rick. Go ahead. Go ahead and preach. So uh, today, I want to talk about perfect love. And I'm going to talk to you because I'm a professional. Go ahead, Pastor Rick. All right. So uh, my wife and I, uh, right after we got married, uh, there was a song that came out by Lionel Richie and who was that? Diane Ross. Yeah. My love. Don't make me sing right now. I think I'm in the wrong key anyway. There's only you in my life. The only thing that's right. <laughs> okay. Y'all. Come here, come here, baby. Come here, come here. Come here. That, my first love for <laughs> My first. My first love. She can't stop laughing. <laughs> You're every breath that I take. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I, I, I want to share all my love with you. No one else will do. In your eyes. Your eyes. They tell me how much you care. Oh, yes. You will always be my endless love. Told you I'm a professional. So. <laughs> there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I heard a stat about Japan that it's no longer uh, popular to be married. In fact, only one in five adults now get married there. Uh, so, and the statistics also are significant in the United States. So, it's happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> How many love Valentine's Day? How many hate it? Okay, some people hate it, some people love it, okay? According to your situation, all right? I'm going to give you some hope today. Uh, and here's, here's the reality. How many, where's my single folk at? 
Let's hear it for single folk. Praise God. Let's hear it for single folk. Okay. You don't ever have to get married. Congratulations. You don't ever have to. All right? But God's plan for two people is marriage. All right? Uh, so help me preach this. All right? You know why people don't want to get married? It's because relationships are so confusing and we're not really that good at it. I want to teach this to you today, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little more about marriage today. I did last week. I won't, this is not going to be every week that I talk about marriage, but uh, if you're single, you need to know about this. If you're, if you're young, you need to hear me teach this because other people are not going to tell you what I'm going to tell you today. Uh, if, you, if you are engaged, you need to hear what I'm saying. Uh, and here's the other deal. You're going to know, how many know some people that are married that could use some help? That's pretty much everybody. You need to know this because I can't counsel all your friends. All right? So you should learn some of this. Also, this will impact your relationship with God. Anybody remember when you were a child and first thought about a relationship and you saw a little boy, little girl across the room and you thought, how am I going to tell them? And so you just, did anybody write the letter uh, I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or no. Does anybody have any of those? Come on. Somebody said last week. All right. So, and then you don't know. Nobody gives you. What do you do first? How do you make your first move? Do you just hold hands? You just grab her and kiss her? You know, what do you do? Uh, and, and so the expectations now are a little out of control. So, in short, the majority of people haven't had the opportunity to experience perfect love, and it begins with understanding God's love. I think the reason that so many people don't get married, but instead, you know, you know live together out of marriage, I think the big reason is fear. Somebody shout fear. fear. Uh, just too much, too difficult, uh, too many bad experiences. But when you experience perfect love, I was looking at you, dear, so... You can experience a life filled with hope and possibility. Perfect love destroys, casts out fear. I like that word cast out. It kind of sounds like you're throwing a demon out. I'm casting you out, fear. Fear, get out of my life. Okay, all right. Just, you just don't, if you don't know what perfect love is, if you really knew God's love, you'd be able to transition into greater relationships. So let's open up with this teaching in in 1 John, because 1 John chapter 4 opens up with a call for the church to love. 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. You need to know what love is, amen? That, that makes it sound really important. For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into this world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. We need to love one another. How many know love is more than a feeling? Amen. Right? I just don't love you anymore. Well, get up and love me. Go love me. Amen. I just don't, I don't love me anyway. So 
The scripture is showing us that, the, that only through God and his love and salvation can we expect to have relationships that exhibit agape, relationships that exhibit God's love. So you, how many know Wednesday's Valentine's Day? I'll be preaching, all right? But uh, so on this Valentine's Day, I want, I, my gift to all of you is to teach you about love. And I, I, want you to, I want you to have the best Valentine's ever, but uh, I want you to have a Valentine's gift that you can truly give away. Not today. Some of you are nowhere near ready for a relationship with someone. Okay? Just say amen. amen. That was too many amens, I think. But <laughs> if you can't, was anybody like me in school? When I was in school in the several decades, a few decades back, okay, more than a few, but anyway, on Valentine's Day in elementary school, what we always did was we would make a little Valentine's Day box. Anybody remember that? And then you went and you got all these little Valentine's cards and you just gave them to everybody, right? And uh, because there was, this, there was this idea that, you know, this love is really good. Love is cool. And I always thought that because I was so good looking, one day somebody would love me. And I was right. Well, it wasn't because of my good looks. It was because... You know, somebody knew God, somebody saw me, and God put us together. We followed the will of God, and, and we've been married for a long, long time now. Uh, but here, here's the problem in marriage. Just because you're beautiful, just because you're pretty, just because you have nice clothes, just because you have a lot of money, does not mean your marriage will work. Come on. Beautiful people... Their marriages do not always work. Well, let me give you an example. Maybe you've seen some of these folks before, all right? So you say, well, that's not nice. But I, I'm sorry. I mean, it's all over the place, all right? How many know Brad and Jennifer didn't work, and neither did Brad and Angelia? Right? Am I right? Brangelia. Neither did Ange Angelia and Billy Bob Thornton. They didn't work either. And neither did Tom and anybody. Which is weird, because in the movies, they all work. And people that are pretty ought to stay married. Because you look at each other and say, you're pretty. I know, and you're pretty. So let's be pretty together. Somebody say, you got to be more than pretty. Somebody shout it. All right. Just go to the next slide. I don't want to look at that anymore. Just go to the next. There we go. We're going to look. My, my, some purpose in this. I'm going to tell you. How homes can stay together. I'm going to tell you, if you ever get married, how you can stay married. And I'm going to tell you how to correct it and keep marriages together. And I'm going to be transparent, but I'd like you also to be transparent, okay? Uh, and before I go further, do, sometimes there are some things you do not have to cheer in this message, okay? Uh, I'm not always trying to get a response. I'm going to tell you this. Marriage... God's way always works. All right? Marriage that is not God's way does not work. 
Relationships God's way are fantastic. Relationships outside of God's plan, it's going to blow up in your face. Look at me, I'm telling you. It's going to blow up in your face. So, uh, and I also want you to know this. I, I, uh, if you're in this room and you need to get married, come talk to me. All right? Because I'm running a special five marriages for five dollars this week, okay? <laughs> no, that's not. For me personally, no fee. If you're in this room right now, I'm not talking about you webcasters. You should have been here because the special is running around. I don't know. I might talk to you too. I'm just saying that I believe in marriage, but I'm not just, I just don't want to do weddings. I would prefer to do godly marriages. That means I want you to come under my direction, under my guidance, under my teaching, my counsel. All right? Uh, believe me. I would give away every nickel that's ever been given to me to do weddings to see marriages whole. To see marriages whole. So follow me carefully. Uh, again, I was with... Uh, uh, probably the finest teacher I know on weddings spent uh, spent a few days not long ago with him and several other ministers at Mount Perrin Church. And uh, some anybody know that church? One or two. And but Jimmy Evans and just inspired me so much. And so it was it was so on time. And so uh, over the years I've studied his writings and it was just so such a blessing. So uh, today I uh, I would call it some plagiarism, but I'm telling you up front, I've got a lot of good stuff out of Jimmy and it needs to come, some of this needs to come to you uh, because today I'm going to talk about some spiritual laws. One of the reasons I'm willing to drive my car is because of laws. Somebody shout amen. amen. Because otherwise it would be ridiculous. Uh, it's already rather ridiculous. How many have ever gotten on one of the uh, feeder roads, uh, service roads, and found somebody going down the wrong way? Anybody ever seen that? I, five, six times I think I've seen it in the last few months. Somebody's actually in the wrong lane going down the feeder road. I'm saying, hey, hey, I honk my arm. I yell at them. Pray for them. Uh, but uh, there are laws, right? Like there's stop signs. You know you're supposed to do stop signs? Stop! Okay. Uh, and, and, okay, anyway, en enough of that. I'm just... And, and there are spiritual laws that are important. How many believe that? And uh, when Diane and I got married, she was 18 years old when I married her. That's right. And you say, how did that happen? Because we got married, we waited until a lot of people, all right? I, she was a week out of high school when I married her. Uh, she was 18 and I was 20, all right? Don't look at me like that, all right? <laughs> He said, you shouldn't get married. Look, some of you wait until you were 30 and didn't know how to do it, all right? Uh, but we had been dating for a long time. We had a plan, and her mom and daddy said yes, and my mom and daddy said yes, because they got married like when they were 16 or something like that. And uh, so they were just glad we waited until after high school. Anyway, we got married, and nobody told us Nothing. Can I get an amen from somebody? When we grew up in the church, all we knew, all we knew about marriage. It, okay, this is gonna. I'm, I'm, okay, if you need to cover your children's ears, I'm just gonna preach. Okay, so 
All we knew about marriage was that if you were going to do it, you need to be married first. How, can I get an amen from somebody? So, anyway, did I just say that? All right. I told you I was going to be transparent. We didn't know the spiritual laws of marriage, even though many of them were ingrained in our life through the blessing of our parents. Our parents lived out a great deal of that. All right? So if, if, your, if your parents lived out some of that, it probably has helped you, but it needed to be discussed. Wave at me. It needed to be discussed. So we had seen them, but not even been taught them, at least not specifically. Not knowing the spiritual laws of marriage keeps many out of a great marriage because when you say marriage, it's just confusing. Some of you know what I'm saying because you would be married already, but you've had some really bad moments in your life and some history, some divorce, some confusion regarding marriage, and you might have some bitterness. I don't trust men. I don't trust women. And so if you ever do get married, you're thinking, we'll prenup it. Which the concept is, just in case this thing fails, let me tell you what happens when marriage fails. You're going to get hurt. And you're going to lose some stuff. So you need to know what marriage is before you get married. All right. All my single people say, preach, Pastor Rick, preach. Don't you wish, how many single people, some of you wish you had heard this earlier, right? A few hundred years ago, so... God created marriage, and when God creates marriage, he creates things for success. He doesn't create things for failure. So some of you need to listen carefully because you'd like to be married, but because of God's mercy, you are not yet. But after this marriage, you might want to get married because uh, it's, this is going to be kind of like driver's ed. Some of you should have had marriage ed. We, we, the, the teaching in Genesis 2.24 is this. This, this is what you need to know. This is basically some of the greatest teaching on marriage is in the first marriage. God said, okay, this is how marriage works. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All right? So memorize Genesis 2, 24, 25, and... Uh, and you're pretty much going to know what marriage is about. John chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, Jesus restates this because there is a debate about divorce. And, and they're saying, hey, Moses said we could have a divorce. What do you say? And Jesus takes them back to Genesis 2 and 24. And uh, he finishes it up by saying, therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So, in these simple teachings, we discover the clear realities of what makes marriage work. So, again, just four foundational laws. I'd like to turn all of you into marriage and family therapists because I need help. And as the church, as the family, we need to enforce these things. So, learn this. Memorize it. Uh, four laws. One, the law of priority. The law of priority. Just the beginning of this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Uh, so, Diane and I got married. I owned a 1974 Pinto runabout. Yes. All right. That's right. Well, I didn't own it yet. All right. 
I, I bought it for like $500 and I was making $64 a month payments. Nobody told me anything differently. I didn't get any yeses. All right, so it's just where I was. I'm just saying. So I love my mom and dad. God bless them. But as soon as Diane and I got married, we loaded up the Pinto and we moved to Xenia, Ohio to our one-bedroom apartment, which was several miles down the road from where mom and dad lived. And, I, and I'm not saying dishonor your parents. What I'm saying is, is that one of the best things we did was to move to Xenia, down the road away from our parents. Now, I know parents are screaming at me. They say, don't tell my babies to move away. Look. I got kids that live here, and I got kids that live in California. And I wish the ones that lived in California lived here. But it's not about me. It's about them. Uh, help me, Jesus. Somebody shout priority. When you get married, your husband or your wife become your first priority. Not your mama, not your daddy. Amen. Your husband or your wife becomes your first. Am I preaching to anybody good right now? Felicia was born, I'm going to just tell this, nine months to the day after we got married. Little church ladies sitting around with their stopwatches. We were, born, we were married on June the 6th. She was born on March the 6th. Now, I will never forget seeing that little girl, and my life changed that day. I tell you, my heart, I still remember how I felt after I held my daughter in my arms for the first time. Lord, Jesus, there was nothing that transformed me like that, I thought except something that had happened nine months before that when I stood at an altar in front of my daddy with my friends and I looked at that woman over there and I said, yes, I receive you as my wife. Now, I know that you say, well, you know, your baby will change you. No, 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 you listen to me. I am now married all of these years. And in telling you that we've been married all of these years, my daughter did something to me. She married somebody else. <laughs> Moved out of my house. Came back for a few minutes. Went to Lynchburg. Came back for a few minutes. Moved all the way to Nashville. And then they loaded up and went all the way to California with my grandson. Sorry. Just getting this out of my system right now. And do you know why? Because Lauren Barton, my son-in-law, is more important, is a higher priority than I am in her life. Does that make sense to anybody? I know some of your parents don't want to hear this right now. How many people have ever been jealous in your life? Anybody ever been jealous? Okay. So that can be a very godly thing. In Exodus 34, come on, God's name is what? Jealous. Capital J-E-A-L-O-U-S. I'm not talking about jealous like some of what you talk about, like jealous of your neighbor for having a new car. I'm not, I'm not singing Rick Springfield's old song, I wish that I had Jesse's girl. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that kind of jealousy. I'm talking about this jealousy. 
that my wife is my wife. And I want her in my life. I don't want her in your life. I want her in my life. And more than anything else, listen, you can't even allow your babies to come between you and your husband or your wife. Because one day they will all be down the road and you two have to still be one. You love them differently. Am I getting a yes from anybody? God, how many know God wants first place and needs first place in your life? But after God, you gotta have your family. You gotta have your husband or your wife. How many ever had a honeymoon before? Anybody? You know, some of you never had a honeymoon. Diane and I didn't. We got married, went straight to the apartment that we had in Xenia. That was our honeymoon. We spent our money on curtains for our house. We did. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with kids and all of that. But listen, after the honeymoon is over, you've got to be careful or you will enter into a season of disenchantment. Because then you have bills that become the priority. And you have kids that become priority. Listen, your in-laws can become your priority. What really has to happen is God has to be your priority, and then you, come on, you too. Now, Diane and I had our children very young with the hope that one day they would leave home. And this is the truth. And we would change the locks on the doors. I don't demote my wife because my children are born. The first priority the first priority when you first get married, that's the feeling, that's the law, is your husband or your wife. And when something is a priority, you'll act upon it. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about. How many have, uh, I don't know what the new game, what's the game that everybody, Xbox, PlayStation, what is it? Nintendo, I don't know. How many have one of those games in your house? How many have ever seen somebody who makes that their priority? over everything, okay? Now listen, I'll tell some young kids right now. If you take your Xbox into your marriage, you, gotta be, you have to be careful with that because it will become the priority and your husband, your wife will figure that out. And you'll say, well, why, why don't we talk anymore? The, the priority of your relationship has to be in real terms. Now, any relationship you have, some of you have a great friend right now. Here's, here's your priorities. Sacrifice, time, energy, and attitude. Sacrifice, time, energy, and attitude. In Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to sacrifice some stuff. Somebody shout Amen. If you're going to be in a relationship, it's going to take sacrifice. Come on. You're going to have to give stuff up. Say, I want to be married. I ain't giving nothing up. No. If you're going to be married, you're going to give stuff up. Space, time, that bathroom, half of that sink's going to belong to somebody else. Come on. Food. I'm preaching good stuff right now. Time. Your time is the commodity of a relationship. Money is the commodity of business, but time 
is the commodity of a relationship. If the devil can't get behind you and stop you, he'll, he will, if, if the devil can't get in, in front of you and stop you, he'll get behind you and push you. You will have no time for family, no time for each other. Hey, how many got a cell phone? Get it out right now if it's not already out. I know you're looking at scripture right now. But if you get your cell phone out and get on Facebook right now, I'll show you what the average date looks like. If you want, if you want to impress a young lady when you take her out, have somebody call you while you're out. Answer the phone and say, I'm sorry. I'm with Susie right now. Maybe I'll call you later. Bye. Am I preaching good? When Diane and I got married, there were no cell phones. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry about all the technical intrusions, but there are times when you need to be together and you need to sacrifice being connected everywhere else. It's, it's been said this way, technology is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Energy. You can't sit around. Come on, brothers, sisters. You can't just sit around and watch sports all day. Or HGTV, sisters, okay? Or whoever, maybe both of you do that, I don't know. You gotta get involved, you need to take a walk on occasion. You need to, your attitude, I really want to be with you attitude. Not, don't, don't you ever call him, her, the old ball and chain. Don't do it. Your attitude, you have to constantly protect your marriage from, from even good things. I pastor a church, but folks, this church cannot come before my relationship with my wife. I counsel a lot of people, but there are times when I need to go and have dinner. I need to sit down. I have to pray. Anybody understand that? You say, some of your relationships with God are a mess. Why? You don't have time for God. You got time for work. You got time for everything else. But I will say, come on, couples, you need to pray together. And you'll look at me. Who has time to pray? You have time to eat. You have time to go to the bathroom. You have time to brush your teeth. You have, come on. You have time for a four-hour soccer game. Yes. Parents, you got to be parents. But even in a blended family, your marriage has to be the core. Your, your spouse needs to hear you say that you love Jesus, and your spouse needs to hear you say that you love her. But they need to more than hear it. They need to experience it. The law of priority, the law of pursuit. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave. I remember I used this word once in a... In, in a, it, well, I often use it in sermons for weddings. And somebody said, cleave. You want to use the word cleave? Sounds too much like a cleaver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the word cleave means to pursue with all of your energy. Yeah. Marriage is work, and you have to pursue it. Somebody say amen. amen. I actually had a man tell me this once. When I told people, you need to tell your husband, your wife, that you love them. And he said, you know, I told her I loved her when I got married. If I changed my mind, I would have told her. And I thought, you're, you know, box of rocks, you, you know, anyway. <laughs> when Diane and I first started dating, my classy little 74 Pinto, I loved opening the door for her, man. Just loved opening the door. I still love opening the door for her. 
And I know some of you women are all liberated. You don't need nobody opening the door, okay? Get over your liberated self for a minute, okay? Listen, you need somebody that loves you and cares for you and is willing to open the door for you on occasion. Now, now on your way out, I just messed a lot of men's lives up. I know right now, but... The other day we were coming out of Guads. You can imagine me coming out of Guads because I like to eat at Guads. And we were coming out of Guads. I walked over to the car. It was cold. It was icy cold. And I wanted to open the door. She just looked at me. She said, honey, it's too cold. Get in your own door. You know. But I just, I just can't help myself when it comes to that. Sometimes I just want to show her off. Just say, look, she's worth it. When you get married, you start taking things for granted. I know this word sounds bad, but your marriage sucks because you suck at it. Amen. You got to get involved. You got to pursue one another. Every morning, come on, every morning you got to pursue this. Every afternoon, every evening. So there, how many know the devil's a liar? Here's lie number one. If I marry the right person, the emotion will happen naturally and effortlessly throughout the marriage. That's a lie. You don't wake up every morning and look at each other and say, Hallelujah. There are people who believe there's something wrong. You know, the feeling is gone. Come on. You got to work on that feeling. Diana, what do we say to each other every morning? Good morning, I love you. I'm glad you remembered that. I'm messing my sermon up. No. And if we get down the road and we, we look at, did we say good morning, I love you? It's important. You got to work at it. I don't feel like it. Her breath's bad. Not, not hers, but. The best marriages are two perfect people who have a lot of incompatibility, who roll up their sleeves and stay together and work it out. People with high goals and a great work ethic. The worst are those with high goals and no work ethic. We're going to have a great marriage, but we're not going to do anything about it. Lie of the devil. If I marry the right person, the emotions will always be there. No. Love by choice. The best kind of love is agape love. Not this, I feel good. Come on. I don't know what my emotions are going to do. I don't know what my emotions are about, but I am in control of what I choose. When I say I love Diana Hawker, what I'm saying is, is that regardless of what happens or the conditions of my life or the world around me or the struggles, I choose to always be faithful to her and to stay with her, and I will do my best to love her as Jesus loves her. Come on. And then you might say, you know, I know, but look at all these others. Stop looking at everybody else's difficulty and deal with your own. The grass is greener syndrome is a dangerous syndrome. There's a quote from Jimmy Evans. When the grass is greener on the other side, it's time to water your own yard. The reason the grass looks greener on the other side is because you can't see the poop from here. You don't always feel lovely. You don't always smell good. Everyone looks great from a distance, but where do you live with them for a while? It's not as good as you thought. You know who my best friends are? 
They're the people that know my dirt and they still hang around. They're the people who know what's going on in my life. The people who say, Rick, I know sometimes you struggle. I know sometimes you have anxiety. I know sometimes you don't do everything right. But, sir, I'm here for the long haul. I love you because I love you. Not because you always have it all together. You always smell good and your clothes match. No, I love you because God loves me. And I'm going to love you with agape. Lies. Ah. Let me give you another scripture. My time's gone, so if you've blown it, it's possible to recover. Revelation 2 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. That means you left your first feeling. No! Remember when you started loving and then you stopped, and then he says this just remember where you've fallen, repent, and go back and do it again. Somebody shout, restart. When you start violating the laws of marriage, the devil tells you it's over and you start believing you're just with the wrong person. Put each other first. Forgive one another. Go to work. Third law, the law of possession. The two shall become one flesh. I'm not going to do it. I was going to have, I was going to have a couple. How many, anybody just get married? Who's been married for under five years? Wave at me. Anybody been married for less than five? Look at you guys. Look, who else? Less than five, okay. You remember when you ate cake? All right, what did you do with it? Smushed in his face. Smushed in his face, yes. Okay. I have wedding cake in the foyer. Okay. So after service, if some of you couples want to go back there and have some cake, have at it. Take pictures. Let's come up with a hashtag. Hashtag love at freedom. How's that? All right. Hashtag love at freedom. Let's see. Should we do love with a symbol at? Yeah. Hashtag love no, no at sign? Okay, hashtag love, words, A-T, freedom. Okay? Stephanie will make that work somehow so you can see it later. Love, at free, hashtag, okay? We've got balloons, valentines, it's, it's, and everybody can have wedding cake, okay? But if you're married, share one piece. One piece. One piece of cake for a couple if you're married, okay? So here's what I'm saying. You have to share life, and they shall be one flesh. Listen, the two are one. We now do stuff together. You got to do life together. And if you're a blended family, you have to also let your husband or your wife be involved in your children. No, no, no. You're going to have to say, you're also a leader for my kids. I didn't get any amens. And if you want to know how to destroy this law of possession, don't, dominance. It gets violated by dominance. Because, look at me, men and women, I want to tell you something. You're, you're equal. Some of you don't believe this. No, they're weaker. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when it comes to God's word, you're both children of God. And Jesus is the boss. You can't, you can't lead and be in great relationship and deal with this law of possession because you have all the power. But there's also this independence issue, you know, where you don't even sit together anymore. Marriage is about interdependence. You can't live selfishly. It doesn't work with God. I, I just... The two become what? Okay, and one more statement. There's also the law of purity. They were both naked. Whoop, whoop. The man and his wife. And were not ashamed. Anybody remember the fig leaves? I mean, we don't know if it's fig leaves, but 
Let's say it was fig leaves, okay? Maybe it was fig leaves. I wonder what parts of their body they covered. The parts that make them different. The parts that are the most sensitive. I, anybody hear what I'm telling you, telling you right now? When, when I say the law of purity, I'm saying, follow me carefully here. When you are living your marriage in purity, you can expose your differences and expose the areas where you're the most sensitive. But when you have sin in your marriage, you cannot trust each other and you will hide the most sensitive areas. When you are sensitive, you know when she hurts and what's going on. Don't, listen, don't confuse intimacy with just sexuality. You are having physical intimacy, but you're not having true intimacy. You can live in the same house, but if you are disrespectful and blaming and won't take responsibility for your behaviors and won't share your hurts and struggles and, and, and do life together, you're not being intimate. Intimacy, I've, I have heard and regularly shared it this way. You want to define intimacy? Into me see. When you are naked and not ashamed, it means two people can talk about anything without any shame. You are one another safe place. Stand with me. Everybody stand with me. Let's give praise to God for his word. Singles, say amen. I need my singles, say amen. Okay, all right. You need this. Some of you got kids. If you, need to, you need to understand. How many laws are there? I actually have one of our couples that is at a conference right now at one of the Jimmy Evans conferences. I was so glad. I didn't even know they were going. And uh, so excited for what I believe is going to be a healing year for homes and families. It's what I believe. I really believe this. I'm going to do this right now, okay? So if you are with somebody that you're married to, uh, maybe you're engaged, planning to get married to, and they don't have a virus or something, Hold their hand. Hold their hand. Hold somebody's hand. I like that. I'm watching you hold their hands like. Or you can just touch their elbow or something if they're diseased. You know, so. All right. I want everybody to do this. All right. I just want to renew the oneness. Anybody ever do the repeat after me thing at a wedding before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just wrote this out. Everybody say this, if you can. I am a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is in Christ. And I am committed to God's plan for marriage. Okay? <laughs> Time must be up. All all right, now just practice this. Some of you, just close your eyes. Okay, close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes now. You need to be able to say this to someone. I will make you a daily priority. I will pursue you with all of my energy. I will possess you as my own flesh. I choose to share my life fully with you.
and to walk in holy purity. Today is my day of renewal. Father, I pray blessings upon those that are in this room today. Those who are wounded, those who are wondering what's next in their relationships, those that are single, dear Lord, who have carried wounds and wonder if they'll ever be married again. I pray, Father, that you would take the word that I've shared today and that it would take root in our lives. That we would live according to spiritual law, not according to cultural trends. That you would heal those in this room. Specifically, I pray for marriages, dear Lord, that are breaking. For those that are considering marriage, dear Lord, that wonder whether or not it's even a possibility. For those that are single, dear Lord, because you have not finished with them yet. I pray for the children, for the youth, for teenagers, young adults, collegiate age individuals. Father, let this word sink into their heart and heal and empower families, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Amen, honey. I, I agree. All right. So. Anybody need prayer today? Anybody need prayer? I'm going to have some prayer workers come on up front. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer for your family or for your home, come on down. I got prayer workers that are going to pray with you. Just come on down. We'll pray with you now. As I'm completing the service, there is cake out in the foyer next to the Welcome Center. All right? So if you're a couple and you want to head on out there, help yourself. Anybody want prayer? Anybody need prayer? Just start coming forward. Father, if there's any that are in need today and need prayer for their home, for their family, I pray that now you would arrest their hearts. Let them know, God, that they, we have people that want to embrace them, love them, and walk them through some things. In Jesus' name. I know it seems like an awkward altar service, but hey, if you want prayer, you'll come on down, right? Right? God bless you all. You can be dismissed when you choose. Have some cake. What is that? Freedom. Love, love at freedom. There it is. Hashtag love at freedom.